children, you guys can go ahead and head out to elementary guys. I had to catch myself because they didn't like to be called children, right? Young men and women. It's kind of hard to transition from that, isn't it? They could just keep singing the whole time. Get this uh, old guy out of here. Don't have to listen to him. I want to start off with a question this morning. I want you to think of a time when you have been most unified with a group of people. Okay? So in your head, I want you to think about this, all right? When is a time when you've been most unified with a group of people? And then I want you to think about what were the key factors that contributed to that unity? Okay? A time when you've been most unified with a group of people, and what were the key factors to that unity? Okay? I want you to tell me about that. So, what did you think of, and what were some of the factors that, that came to mind for you? Honesty and vulnerability. Okay, what was the context of your relationship with those people? Uh, we were a worship team. A worship team. Okay, good. What else? Yeah, Haley. A sports team. Okay, and in particular, what were the factors there? Working together, not by yourself. Okay, working together. Yeah. Okay, good. A shared passion around a common uh, purpose. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, being on summer staff with Young Life, and what were the key factors there? Um, just like being with one another and loving Christ and worshiping. Okay, loving Christ, worshiping together. Yeah, great. All good examples. Okay, now I want you to, to think, uh, well, for me, um, the thing that came to mind for me was my, my senior cross-country team in high school. And um, we'd had some people graduate, some pretty talented people the last couple of years, and, and we had been pretty good in my younger years in high school. And so my senior year came, and this guy... This guy wrote an article in the newspaper that said that this was going to be a rebuilding year. And so there was like, you know, four seniors that had been on varsity for like three years and were like, rebuilding year, huh? And so then it was on, right? And so we were focused, man. It was like, no, this is not going to be a rebuilding year. So we went through our season, one conference, one district, went to state, and then we got shirts uh, going to state that said, and they said it couldn't be done, right? We were just like so self-righteous. It was awesome. So, yeah, so we were united around a shared passion for the hatred of this newspaper guy, right? Now, let me ask you this. This this group of people that you thought of, how much diversity was there in that group? Whether we're talking race, uh, gender, age differences, uh, culturally, uh, language. You see, sometimes when we have uh, a group that's somewhat homogenous, uh, has a lot of things uh, similar. It's a little bit easier sometimes to, to bring people together. Sometimes when you start throwing in more diverse factors into that group, it can be a little bit harder to uh, reach that same kind of unity, or it might take a little bit longer sometimes. Today we're going to examine a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Rome. And all of the other prayers that we've been looking at this summer, if you haven't been here, we've been uh, looking at some prayers uh, that Paul prayed in Scripture uh, for the different churches that he helped start. And most of those prayers that we've looked at, really all of them so far, could be thought of through the lens or answered in an individual sense. So we've looked at prayers that Paul prayed for people to know Christ better. We've looked at, at prayers that uh, people would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
Um, we've looked at prayers about the transformation process in people. Um, last week, we looked at this issue of, of what do we pray for people who are hurting. We talked about the need for their love to increase and overflow in, you know, in the midst of their troubles, um, that their hearts would be strengthened, that God would comfort them so they could comfort others. But all of those prayers we've examined so far could really be seen through the lens of, of the individual. So today, we're going to look at a prayer that can only be realized corporately. So the book of Romans was written to the church in Rome, okay, and it was far enough away from Jerusalem uh, that none of Jesus' disciples had visited there. So nobody with like firsthand uh, uh, encounters with Christ had been there. So if you ever read Romans, it's really dense with, um, you know, just the ins and outs of the Christian faith uh, because he really needed to communicate to them um, because remember, none of the gospels had been written yet. So he's really hammering them with just these are the basic, you know, important tenets of the faith. And one of the things that he wants to communicate to, to them as well is um, this unity that's needed between the Jews in Rome that come to the faith and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, um, that, that now are coexisting and being brought into this one church together. You see, it's, it's, it's one thing um, for the first group of Christians, which after Jesus' death and resurrection, everybody was kind of centered around Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem was mostly Jews. And so you had this first church that followed Christ who had so much in common, a common heritage and culture and language and a common belief in the Old Testament, a common story that kind of rooted them all together, okay? Now you're going into the capital of the Roman Empire and all of its diversity with language and and backgrounds and people that had maybe moved there for different reasons to work for the government. And so now we're trying to have this people become the church, And Paul knew that that was going to be an incredible challenge. But it's not just a challenge back then, is it? Because to be honest, sometimes the church, even here in America, even in Wellspring, we can hear more gossip here, more rumors, more slander, more division, more judgment, more petty grievances and a lack of forgiveness. Unity is hard work. And it requires constant prayer, constant commitment to, to uphold that standard. Because this, this is the reality that is true. That it isn't hard to find reasons not to like people. Right? I mean, that's one of the easiest things that you could task you could give somebody. Find a reason not to like these people. Oh, how much time do I have? Right? It's true. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, if you've gotten anything at all, at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in the community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, <laughs> if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. So... How many deep-spirited friends do you have here this morning? How many deep-spirited friends do you have here who are of a different race, of a different age group, of a different socioeconomic class or educational background? Let's take a look at uh, Paul's prayer in Romans 15. I've got it up uh, on the screen for you because I'm using the old-school NIV version. I like the translation a little bit better. So this is what he prays in in Romans 15. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ. 
so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So why is Paul praying this prayer? Well, for one, um, it's because it's exactly what Jesus prayed shortly before he died. So I want you to open your Bibles up to John chapter 17. It's page 754 in your pew Bibles. John chapter 17. And this is Jesus praying right before he's getting ready to to be arrested. Starting in verse 20, it says this. My prayer is not for them alone. He's been praying for his disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Jesus, in one of the last words that he speaks before his crucifixion, is desperately praying for us, but for all believers that would believe in his name throughout history, that they would be one with one another. He's saying that if, if, you, if we can achieve some sense of unity, then, then people will know that you sent me, that, that this kind of love is possible. So let me ask you this. Where there is a lack of unity, what kinds of things are present? So maybe you can think of a group of people that, that wasn't unified in your life. What kinds of qualities were present there? Distrust. What's that? Jealousy. What's that? Chaos. What else? Selfishness. Good. Bitterness, envy, jealousy. I mean, you can go on and on, right? And what's at the root of all those ugly qualities? If you had to boil it down to one word... Yeah, that's true. Sin. True. I'm thinking of a different word. If you could boil it all down to the word that I want to hear you say to me. What's that? Pride. Thank you. Yes, pride. Pride is at the root of all of that, right? At the root of all of the, um, you know, distrust and envy and all that, at the root of it all is this sense that I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And how does God feel about people who are filled with pride? Hmm, let's see. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, right? So we really want to make sure that we end up on the, on the correct side of that equation, right? We don't want to be opposed by God. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> Theologian Francis Schaeffer said this. He said, if we do not show beauty in the way we treat each other... Then in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of our children, we are destroying the truth we proclaim. So there's a lot at stake uh, with getting along, right? 
So let's dive into Paul's prayer a little more closely. Let's just look at verse 5. In this verse, Paul prays that God would give them a spirit of unity. So that means that it's a gift. It's something that God has to provide. Okay? It's not something that we can just conjure up or we can create some kind of program here at church to achieve. Right? We can't just start a get-along club. Right? And everybody join and that means we're all going to be great friends together. All right? The Holy Spirit has to move in a group of people. To bring their hearts together. God is the source of unity. All right? So that's the first lesson. The New Living Translation, another uh, translation of the Bible, translates this verse this way. It says, God bringing you to complete harmony. Okay? And that that musical uh, illustration there, I think, is a really um, appropriate one. Because in a choir... You bring all of these different parts, sopranos, altos, tenors, basses together, right? These diverse people together to create one beautiful song in harmony. Every part in relationship with the other. And, and everybody's voice in the choir doesn't have to be alike, right? There can be unity in diversity. Uh, a choir that um, is only sopranos or only basses, uh, it lacks something, right? There's, there's not this, um, this beauty of diversity of the ranges that, that happen, okay? So now what you don't want, <laughs> here's the key, is that they all have to be singing the same song, right? So if you have a choir and you have diverse voices and you go to the altos and you hand them one song, sopranos one song, tenors, basses, and then you say, all right, here we go, right? It's going to be a train wreck, right? We all have to be singing the same song. So for us as the church, what is that song? That song for us is the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. We're united around the story of a Savior. And that last part of verse 5 up there is really critical. It says, as you follow Christ Jesus. See, we can't experience unity with a group of people unless we are all committed to following the way of Jesus, the example that he set out for us in Scripture. There's one thing that you notice about Christ when you read his story in Scripture is that he was in perfect unity with the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus just prayed and he says, God, just as I am in you and you are in me, there's this amazing, you know, symbiotic, unified relationship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit and everything that they did. They each had different roles, different responsibilities, but they were united by the desire to give glory to God. That was their song, was was glory. So a good question for us to ask as we live in community with others is this. I put it up there. As a follower of Jesus, is the spirit in which I'm thinking, speaking, and behaving bringing glory to God? So I want you to think about any particular situation you might be in, currently or have been in the past, I want you to think about how you are responding or how you have responded in those moments and then ask yourself this question, is the way that I've been thinking, speaking, and behaving bringing glory to God? Because I can tell you that there's a direct link to how you're responding and whether that's glorifying God and then how much unity you're having in your life. Because when we have this spirit of, of arrogance or pride, there's disunity. 
and the people that we're interacting with. I can give you examples from my life in the last three months where what I was, I was thinking, speaking, and behaving was not bringing glory to God, and it did not bring about unity in the people I was working with, okay? I can give you specific examples. You can stick around after the service if you'd like to know. So the source of unity is God. He has to gift us this spirit of togetherness. It's not something we can create ourselves. Let's look at verse 6 to further discuss the goal of unity, okay? Verse 6, right there. It says, with one heart and one mouth, we may glorify God. I don't know if you've ever gotten to experience worship in a, in a different cultural setting, but it's a pretty amazing experience. I've, I've worshipped uh, in churches in Haiti, in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, in Germany, in Ethiopia. Um, and it's an amazing feeling to know, uh, even though sometimes it was in different languages, that you're worshipping the same God, right? No matter the differences in language, circumstances, background, any of that. At some point, as you're worshiping together, all of those differences kind of fade to the background, right? And what, what bubbles up to the surface is this, uh, this understanding that you are more alike than you think, that you're all united around this common brokenness, this common sin problem that only Jesus can solve You're united by your common need for a savior. And when the spirit is at work in those settings, there's a true unity that that transcends all of the barriers and supersedes those things. And the end result is that God is glorified. So the source of unity is God. The goal of unity is to bring him glory. So now we're going to look at the proof of unity. Verse 7. Okay? It says to accept one another. And and that Greek word, which is what Paul would have written in, the language, means this. To accept in Greek means to see another person and open your arms to take that person to yourself. To see another person and to open your arms to take that person to yourself. Okay? That is a, a lot more than just an idea of, of putting up with or tolerating another person, all right? This is like embracing them and bringing them close, right? This is brothers got a hug type language here, all right? You know who hugs more than any group I've been around? Recovering addicts. (laughs) Thank you, Randy, right? Whenever I'm around people who are a part of uh, a recovery community, right, they hug me. And you can ask Randy, I'm not a hugger. It's a stretch, okay? So I got him this morning, though, because he came up to me and tried to shake my hand, and I hugged him. Yeah, I'm growing, okay? So why is that? Why do those folks who are in recovery movements, why do they do that? Well, I think it's because they understand that they are united, you know, by, by a common need for healing in their life. That when somebody walks into their meetings, it doesn't matter whether they're homeless or they're a doctor. They're all in the same boat. They're broken. And they need community to help each other heal. And there's that understanding. There's no putting on a mask. Everybody knows why they're at the meeting, right? Whereas we come to church and we think, well, maybe nobody will know that my life screwed up. 
right? No, we all know, all right? You're all a mess. We get it. And when we fail to accept others, it's because of our pride. It's because at some level we think we're better than other people or that we're not as in equal need of healing or that we're not quite as broken as somebody else. Or the flip side can be true as well, is that sometimes in false humility brought about by shame, we think that we're not good enough for others, that my life's too far gone, that I'm too messed up and too broken, and so we keep people at a distance for those reasons. And both of those spirits are destructive to creating an environment of unity in the church or anywhere. And Paul says, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Well, how did Christ accept us? Earlier in the book of Romans, in Romans 5.8, Paul said it this way. He said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he accepted us when we were still rebellious, unrepentant turds bound for hell. And that kind of acceptance is a really high standard. Only with the Spirit's help can we begin to move in those directions of loving people in a way that mirrors His love. And I do know this, is that when the, when the church is unified, the world takes notice. Because we live in a world that is filled with hatred and killing and terrorists and broken families and broken lives and so much pain that there's something really compelling about a group of people who are really genuinely striving to love one another. It, it, it's contagious and it's compelling. But too often, folks are not finding that in the church. And so they're going somewhere else looking for some cheap substitute of love that this world has to offer. Now, all of this sounds great in theory, right? Like, let's just all get along and love one another, you know? Like, I could make you get up right now and, like, go around and hug everybody, something really weird, right? Let's not do that today, all right? But putting legs to this and actually loving people that are hard to love, that's a whole different story, isn't it? I want you to turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, page 720. <clears throat> We're going to read um, verses 32 to 36. It says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? 
So what do we do from here? How do we begin to apply these principles to begin bringing about unity right here in our local congregation of Wellspring, in the church in St. Joseph, in the church in the greater world? Well, Paul says first and foremost is that we have to pray for it. Right? We have to understand that it is a gift given by the Spirit. Right? Because if left up to us to figure it out, we'll fail every time. It has to be supernatural. So we have to pray. And we have to understand that it's a reality that only the Spirit can create. And then more personally, as we pray, we have to ask God to reveal in us broken attitudes and spirits in our heart that hinder the work of the Spirit in bringing about unity. We've got to open ourselves up and say, God, how am I getting in the way? How am I a part of the problem? Secondly, kind of along the same lines, is we have to ask God to change me. The wrong spirit for us to have in this is, well, when everybody else gets easier to love, then I'll love them, right? Or when somebody else initiates unity, then I'll respond. No, we need to be the initiators. We pray God change my heart so I can love and accept others like Christ accepted me. Help me to love people who are tough for me to love. Okay? Because here's the truth, folks. Spoiler alert. We're all tough to love. (laughs) All right? Every one of us. We're all part of the problem. Okay? And finally, we do all of this, like Paul said, as we follow Jesus Christ. Not as we read about him or sing about him or hear sermons about him, but as we follow him. It's a big difference between those things. It's one thing to come and learn information about Jesus or sing information about Jesus. It's another thing to do what he did and live like he lived. But like Jesus, uh, be like Jesus and follow his example, and we'll, we, we will experience unity. Put legs to it. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to ask God to reveal some things to us. But in the end, what do we need to do? <laughs> Love does, right? It's a popular book everybody likes to read, right? So here's the question as we, we wrap up today. What are the things that you do or don't do that hinders unity? Dramatic pause, okay, because I really want you to think about that. So take a second. What are the things that we do or don't do that hinder unity? Let me help you out. How many of us think that we're better than someone else here? I do. How many of us think that we're not good enough for other people here? How many of us have ever gossiped or slandered about someone in our congregation? How many of us ignore whole segments of this church because people are different than me? How many of us sit in the back or the balcony so that we don't have to get to know somebody else 
or we don't have to be known by someone else. How many of us don't volunteer to serve because we just assume other people will do it? Is it hot in here? Gosh. So what are we going to do? Because here's the process, guys. It's, it's not enough to just understand that we have a problem, right? I mean, we're all guilty here this morning of doing things that hinder unity. And so beyond awareness, what's the next step? Okay, so the next step has to be to ask God to reveal, God, why is that spirit present in me? Whatever it is, indifference, uh, isolation, pride, low self-esteem, a spirit of entitlement, whatever it might be, why is that present, God? What's going on there in me? What needs to change? What do I need to repent of so that I can become more like you? And then we have to pray and ask God what he wants us to do differently to contribute to unity. And then we have to do it. Whatever that's going to be for you. And as I was doing this message this week, I was thinking through some of the people in our congregation who are really good at this. And the first name that came to mind, I know I could probably share about a lot of you, the first person that came to mind for me was Brady Purvis. Brady Purvis is the light guy over there, clicks the lights on and off. But Brady is a guy who is constantly trying to get people together, to get people to know one another more deeply. And he sends out an email to a bunch of guys almost every week with different places for guys to get together and hang out. But one thing I notice about his list is that it keeps growing. He gets to know other guys in the church. He's like, oh man, I want them to come and them to come and them to come. And that's, that's the kind of spirit that we need here. So thank you, Brady. You're a stud. So let's pray, folks. And let's pray specifically as we go throughout this week. If you haven't been praying for God to unify our church, then we need to start being a part of your habit, your repertoire, okay? But then specifically, you need to ask God, what is that demand of me? What are you asking me to do, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. And man, sometimes when we're hitting messages like this, the truth of that, um, that your word is a double-edged sword that cuts deeply, man, that is true, but God, your, your word also says that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, we, we, we don't repent this morning because we feel guilty. We repent because we recognize that you accepted us when we were hard to love. God, and when we were, we were ugly and, and still sometimes there's just really ugly spirits in us, but you love us anyways. God, who are we to deny that love to anyone else or to think that we're better than someone or that, that we can't walk across the room and get to know that person or forgive that person or anything? God, you give us so much more than we deserve. Help us to not be people who withhold love or grace or kindness or forgiveness or truth or whatever it might be from anyone else. 
God, truly bring about unity in this church, God, through an act of your supernatural spirit that is beyond our capability, God, so that this would be a place and that the other churches in St. Joe would be places where people can come and that some of the ugly things of, of gossip and rumors and slander and all that stuff won't get in the way of your good news. God, that we would be people that would follow you, follow your example in a winsome way that draws people in makes them want to know this Jesus that we worship. Lord, we thank you for your son, for his love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stand with us as we close today.